Hey, it's Damian Barling, and just a couple of quick notes before we get started here. If you're a wrestling fan, I've got two podcasts coming your way I think you're going to be into. Uh, one of them is exclusive for Patreon members. If you go to patreon.com slash Damian Barling, I'm going to drop a podcast this week, the first of a weekly series that covers all the news and notes from behind the scenes of professional wrestling. And given what happened this weekend, given what happened last night on Monday Night Raw, there is quite a bit to talk about. Also, available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all your favorite podcast platforms coming up on June 3rd is a brand new podcast called Relive. That's a little bit different. That's more of a documentary style podcast where we'll dig into some of the greatest moments of the past. We'll dissect them both in front of the camera and behind the camera. The first episode goes up on June 3rd, but that link is available for you right now with the trailer and an episode list for the entire season. Again, it is on your favorite podcast platform. It is called Relive with Damian Barling. I will hope you check that out. But now, hit the music. Woke up quick at about noon. Appreciate you so much for tuning in here on this Tuesday, May 20th edition of the podcast with Damian Barling, presented by Vibe Health Bar, where they got three locations in East Sacramento, Oak Park, and Folsom. You can also get them on Postmates, Grubhub, DoorDash, whatever your favorite food delivery service is, you can still get your acai bowls, organic cold pressed juices, smoothie sandwiches, whatever you love. They are still available for you. You can also donate meals uh, to our healthcare workers. Check the GoFundMe link in the description here of this podcast. Appreciate Vibe Health Bar. Appreciate all your support of Vibe Health Bar. And there's quite a bit to talk about uh, in the world of sports. Is it as states are slowly opening up? Uh, it looks like. Professional teams or, or professional leagues are trying to navigate the return. It looks like uh, baseball is going to be the first. We'll get to that. I want to start a, a little bit more on a local level, though. Uh, Jason Anderson of the Sacramento Bee reported yesterday uh, that this shutdown has had a huge financial impact on the Sacramento Kings, who are bracing for what might be tens of millions of dollars in uninsured losses. Quote, the source said the stoppage in NBA play and live events at the Golden One Center is having a tremendous impact to the bottom line, saying over half of the team's revenue is generated from hosting ticketed events in the arena. So this is, this is difficult. Uh, it's it, it not, obviously, the, you know, businesses, including big businesses like the NBA, uh, like Major League Baseball, they're they're dealing with financial losses. But the the difficulty in this is trying to figure out uh, what's public posturing and what's not. Now, on a local level, for the Kings to say that uh, half of their revenue comes from live ticketed events, that's believable. I think Adam Silver said on Friday when Adam Silver had that call with with the players and the Players Association and Michelle Roberts on Friday. He said that 40% of the league's revenue comes from the ticketed events. You know, it, it, it comes from tickets at arenas. And I, I remember as soon as the, the report of that call came out, I thought, gosh, 40% seems really high. Like the, the bulk, you know, we year after year, not, not literally year after year, but regularly every I don't know, three to four years or whatever, depending on the company, maybe two to four years. We're reporting on some sort of multi hundred of hundreds of million dollar deal 
the, involving television contracts. And when you start, when you, when you think about television contracts and you think about, you know, merchandising and Jersey sales and, you know, every month a list of, you know, the top selling Jersey comes out and every player who changes a team, this Jersey went up 900% and all of this, you know, different stilly stuff that we report on is all part of the bottom line for the NBA. And I'm going to focus on the NBA here only because of, you know, we're trying to tie in this King story and we're going back to Adam Silver's call on Friday. But Adam Silver also stated in that same call that the collective bargaining agreement would almost certainly have to be ratified. Like the the, the money that the NBA players were due wasn't going to be available to them. Like they haven't come to an agreement on what players would be paid you know, if the season resumed and, you know, perhaps more, more importantly, what happens next year? Because if we're in a situation and when I say next year, I mean, next season, what happens next season? Even if the, even if we do get a start in December, I I don't, I don't believe anyone is under the belief that, that fans are going to be in attendance. I don't believe that anyone thinks they're, or we're going to have fans in attendance at live sporting events until, or at least, you know, a full Golden One Center of fans, a full arena of fans, until a vaccine is readily available. And so Adam Silver has to kind of put out there like, hey, you know, we want to work with our players. You know, the governors want to work with their players. We want to get, we want to get this taken care of. We want to get this done, but but, but we know that it's going to need you know, ratification, and we know we're going to need the players' support to be able to move on. And we're going to have to come up with a plan that works for, you know, the Board of Governors and it works for the players. Okay, that's smart. But what Adam Silver is also doing is he's publicly negotiating. Now, he doesn't do it in the, you know, in the FU terms that the NFL does. He's doing it in a, in a more sly manner. And I think the first thing that he did that was kind of slick was to say, well, 40% of our revenue comes from ticketed events because... Again, I'm not saying Adam Silver is lying, and I'm certainly not trying to insinuate that he's wrong. I'm just saying when he said that, that felt really high to me. So if I'm if I'm just you know you know Joe Schmo out here hosting a podcast that you guys are are gracious enough to listen to, what is an NBA player thinking? You know, hearing hearing you know the 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 hundreds of millions of dollars that come in from TNT, hearing uh, about the hundreds and millions of dollars that come in from ESPN, and then hearing about all of the regional money that comes from you know, NBC Sports, NBC Sports Bay Area, uh, Fox Sports, uh, and all of these, you know, local regionalized networks, you're still telling me out of all of that tens and hundreds of millions of dollars that come from these various, various uh, television networks, that 40% of our income is coming from tickets? And it's difficult, like... It's hard to figure out like like every arena is different, like how much, you know, like how much a team is losing, you know, based on tickets. There have been estimates. Uh, and I think this was noted in the Sacramento Bee article. You can combine some uh, articles of the uh, of, of, of recent weeks and kind of put together, you know, some teams or, or, or some analysts estimated at uh, four hundred million dollars, some analysts estimate it as over a billion dollars. I mean, there's, it, it just, it, it, it depends. The Lakers aren't losing the same amount in uh, ticket revenue as the Sacramento Kings are. The Sacramento Kings aren't losing the same amount of ticket revenue as, you know, team ABC and DR as well. 
Uh, team officials for the Sacramento Kings released an updated refund policy. But, but by the way, before I get to that, it, it, I, I should point out that it's not far-fetched to think that a team's, uh, a large amount of the team's income comes from ticketed events. So this source that was talking to Jason Anderson of the Sacramento Bee said uh, uh, about 50%, half of our revenue comes from ticketed events for a local team, especially uh, one in the size of the market of Sacramento, that's a little bit more believable because in all likelihood, the television contract for the Sacramento Kings is smaller than the television contract for say the Los Angeles Clippers or the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, the merchandise money, it might be more localized within Sacramento here in, in Northern California while other teams sell a little bit more nationwide. LeBron, LeBron James has his own display at the Foot Locker here in Sacramento. That's probably the case for LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers all over the country. The merchandise money is a little bit the same. So for the Lakers or a team like the Lakers, maybe even maybe you could put the Golden State Warriors into that into that equation as well. Maybe they're they're less of a uh, or or any team with a transcendent player on it. I don't know that you could throw the Bucks into that category, but if you have a, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo certainly falls into that transcendent player category. But when you look at that and you realize, okay, for the Kings, 50%, sure, believable. For the Lakers and some of these other teams, it's probably not the case. A team official said that the Kings plan to release an updated refund policy in the coming days. Uh, a portion of which was provided to Jason Anderson and the Sacramento Bee, and it was updated from their policy that came out immediately following the cancellation of the season in which season ticket holders would not be able to get refunds until games were officially canceled. Games have not, even to this moment, uh, uh, games have not been officially canceled. Uh, the Kings said they intended to communicate the following to ticket holders via email by May 18th. And I quote from the letter, while we await more information from the league regarding the 2019-20 season, it is our commitment to provide flexible options to ticket holders regarding impacted games. Tickets already purchased for a postponed Kings game are eligible to be credited towards the 2021 season or a refund is available upon request. If you are a Kings fan and you have tickets to, you're a season ticket holder or you have tickets to games this year, get a refund. D don't put this off till next year because in almost all certainty, you're going to have to do this again next season. Uh, why teams, I, I mean, I, it, yeah, okay, I, I don't want to ask that question. I was going to say why teams are continuing this facade is beyond me, but I do understand they're trying to hold on to as much cash as they possibly can. And I get it. Dude, Adam Silver said, he, you know, he alluded at least to as much on Friday. We're not having fans back next year. We're not having fans back at the very least at the start of next season, even with the December start. It's, you know, these teams are postponing the inevitable. That's, that's essentially what the NFL is doing. Like, they're... They're stretching out what 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 feels like the in inevitable. Dr. Fauci said yesterday, uh, not yesterday, he said uh, when he was talking to uh, Peter King that, by the way, this is day 62 without sports. Day 62 without sports, and according to Elias, 
This is now the longest drought without a game in the four major sports since at least 1930. Um, but Dr. Fetch was talking to Peter King about the potential for about the potential for an NFL season. And it's a it's a very I, I encourage you to go to Football Morning in America. It's a you know it's it's it, it's the former MMQB. It's a it's a great you know it's 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 great work by Peter King here. And Dr. Fauci said, if I test today and I'm negative, you don't know if I got exposed tomorrow. There's no guarantee that you're going to get exposed and test positive the next day. To give you an example. You're probably reading in the newspapers that there is an infection in the White House. I was exposed to that person, so I immediately got tested. I am negative, so I'm negative yesterday. I don't know if I'm going to be negative Monday. Understand? It's almost an impossible situation. So what he's, just to, to pare that down a little bit, to explain this to me like I'm five, you're not, just because you're exposed to it, doesn't mean that you could test positive for it right away. The exposure could take, and I and I feel like I feel like we're we're now like going back to information we were already told. Because when this first happened, particularly when it first happened in sports, when it first happened in the 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 NBA and all of the different sports were shut down, but the focus was on the NBA because of what happened with Rudy Gobert and everything that was going on with the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder. I feel like we were told, okay, you, you may not. You may not get symptoms, and you may not um, find out that you're positive for. I think that I think it was up to 72 hours after. It could have been longer, but I thought the number was 72, because a lot of the teams remember they did the uh, the kind of the six degrees of separation, and they went back to teams that had played uh, Utah within the last six days, or in the uh, excuse me, the last ten days, and so they were adding days. Okay. You know, teams were flying home. Okay, you've got to quarantine yourself. And depending on how far removed you were from the game was depending on how long they wanted you to quarantine yourself. Everybody was like, okay, just lock yourself in your, you know, in your house for 14 days. Uh, keep your family on lockdown for 14 days. Monitor everybody's symptoms. But they would add added days to it. So if you played the, uh, the, the, the Jazz, you know, four days before the shutdown, they would say, Okay, add a, add an extra four days just just in case, just to you know, just to make sure that that that, that we've got this and to make sure that we got things nailed down. So I feel like these are things that we we knew, and I don't know if you know if that had more to do with symptoms and less to do with like an actual test, because you know when all of that was happening, you know, you take yourself all the way back almost two months ago. Well, I guess it wasn't March 13th. That was the day everything was shut down. It was March 11th. That was the day the NBA was shut down. I remember doing the show Friday, March 13th, when everything, it was all over. Like every sport that we knew, it was all done at that point. And our world without sports had kind of, it had taken off. That's when the stay-at-home order went into place here, or stay-at-home mandate uh, went into place here in the state of California. So it, it didn't feel like we were talking about, oh, well, what do tests do? We were still trying to figure out, like, wait, where are tests? Who has tests? Who gets tests? Who needs to, you know, be the one taking the test? Like, I, how do we know to go get a test? What, what symptoms are we looking for? There was so much there in those early-ish days that we were trying to figure out that uh, I, I don't know that it was ever clear what, what exactly the tests meant. 
And I think that's uh, was explained. And, you know, the, it, it's an over it's just an overpowering sentiment that the NFL shouldn't have a season. But, you know, and I know there's no way in hell that that's going to happen. And if, you know, the NFL, if they can find a way, because you'll know they'll get a hall pass from the White House. If they can find a way to hold games in front of fans in some way, shape, or form, no clue what that'll look like. Like, if we're talking about fans sitting, you know, one fan every five seats, uh, every other row or every two rows, the NFL is going to find a way to do it. Because people will pay high dollar for that, and the NFL is about their money. They are about and and the NFL more I think than the NBA. Like the 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 NFL would never be able to use the line. Well, half of our ticket revenue comes from like no, it doesn't. Like you just had your owner, you just had the commissioner of the NFL, Jerry Jones, say what like two months ago. Remember when the big story in the NFL was the CBA? Oh, the good old days. You just had the commissioner of the NFL, Jerry Jones, say. Yeah, we want a we want a seventeenth game. We can we make a it's a billion dollars per week. Like this is great for the players. It's it's great for the owners. It's great for the fans. It's great for everybody. It's a billion dollars every time football's on TV. See, Jerry can't backtrack now and say, well, half of the money we make comes from like he would never be able to do that. He's publicly postured so much, but I guess the. NFL Players Association would never be in the predicament that the NBA Players Association is where they're actually trying to work together and figure out what the best solution is for everybody. In the NFL, the NFL is going to figure out what's the best solution for the NFL and the owners, not the players. And this is this is an issue now that baseball's got to deal with. Baseball, I guess I guess we're close here. Uh, if you read the reports uh, that came out yesterday, uh, the Major League Baseball owners, they are going to send over a proposal today, as a matter of fact. They are going to pre- present a proposal today for a return-to-play scenario that aims to have baseball back in home stadiums by July. Now, as always, money is the main issue here. Uh, owners are feel, fearful of deep financial losses with fan-free stadiums. Uh, agreed in a conference call Monday afternoon to a plan that includes a 50-50 revenue split with the players. Because baseball is the lone uncapped team sport. Uh, never has a straight revenue split been a part of the game's finances. The Players Association, um, they're... The belief is they're going to reject that element of the proposal and counter with, remember it was in early March, remember when the the Players Association and the owners had come together and they had, from what we were told back then, they had agreed on what the finances would be if the season was canceled. Now maybe that meant like games not being played. Maybe that didn't have anything to do with fans being in or out of the stadium. But it's now going to be put, this proposal that the owners has put together, it's now going to be put uh, into the lap of the players, and it's going to be up to the players to decide if this is going to work. A couple of the notes, if it's going to work for them, and if it's a fair proposal. Um, A couple of the key points 
from this proposal that is going from uh, the baseball owners to the Baseball Players Association today uh, include an expansion of playoff teams from 10 to 14, an 82-game regular season, the use of home stadiums in areas that have local and state government approval, so that that would I, be, I believe that would eliminate all of California, that would eliminate Oakland, that would eliminate San Francisco, that would eliminate uh, the Los Angeles teams. A spring training 2.0 that would begin uh, sometime in June with the season set for early July. Some have speculated that perhaps it's the fourth of July. Uh, would be around the time that the season starts. Uh, A universal designated hitter. Geographical schedules in which teams play only in-division opponents and interleague opponents in a similar area. Uh, For example, American League Central teams will play only um, American League Central and National League Central teams. Okay, makes sense. A 30-man roster with a taxi squad that would have upward of 50 players available. So that is, those are some of the bullet points from the proposal that is going from Major League Baseball to the Major League uh, Baseball Players Association today. Uh, Whether we have a vote from the Players Association on this today uh, remains to be seen. Uh, I don't see, now that doesn't mean it's not, in there, it just means it wasn't released publicly, and and I this was probably a smart move by Major League Baseball to not reveal this publicly. And you'll, I think you'll be able to tell the contentiousness of this potential negotiation if this element winds up being revealed later on this afternoon. And the element is safety, because nothing that was released, like it's 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 fine. Like these 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 the the, the nuts and bolts here are there. The nuts and bolts for a return to play are there. The abbreviated season, uh, little to no travel, great, right there. You're not addressing the crux of the problem, though. You're not addressing the reason that you haven't had baseball. You're not addressing what every sports, every business every person you're not addressing what like the actual concern is and that's safety how are players safe how are team personnel safe i i don't i guess there don't have to be arena workers i'm i'm trying to figure i mean there probably have to be a handful of of players uh, a handful of uh stadium workers maybe to you know, to help with players, I guess, or I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm just trying to figure out how many people, you know, are at a stadium at once. But you, you obviously have players and you have team personnel. What about media? Does media like do do like the do media people apply for credentials for these for these things? And how how does that work? Are they are they allowed around players? Do we still got the? I assume we still have the, uh, the lengthy, uh, you know, the the six to ten feet between players and reporters. But do reporters are, are they are they even credentialed for this? How do, how does that part work? And thus, how are they kept safe, and how are they kept away from the players? And it feels like the you know, and maybe that's just not something that you release in advance. 
Baseball fans, what are the nuts and bolts? An 82-game season. Okay, more playoff teams. All right, where are the games being played? Well, in local state government-approved areas. Okay, that works. A universal designated hitter. Again, we're talking about the nuts and bolts of a return to the season. But what we're not talking about is the main structure. What are the nuts and bolts for? We're not, we're not, we, we haven't yet addressed the safety of players, their families, team personnel, and their families. And really, it, 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 to me, you know, you'll, you'll hear this all the time, and you, you, know, you hear this all the time with football players. Football players know the risk when they go back out there on the field, right? That's, that's the line we hear all the time. They know the risk that they take when they're getting clobbered in the head by a, you know, 275-pound, 0% body fat, you know, linebacker who runs a 4440. Oh, well, they know the risk, and you'll hear players say it all the time. We know the risk when we go out there. But the issue with this type of risk is different because now we're putting other people at risk. We're putting families at risk. And we don't know what those interactions are, you know, families with other people. Their families' families. You know what I mean? So it, it, it just becomes this domino effect where you have to adequately address how you're going to keep players safe and what happens. You have to deal with the, with the you've got to deal with the patient zero scenario. You have to address the Rudy Gobert situation. What happens if a player tests positive? What do we do? What's the next thing that happens if one player tests positive? If we find one player who's sick, what do we do next? And that has to be outlined now. That has to be outlined in the proposal that's going to the players today. You can't wait until something happens. And you can't have it only discussed behind the scenes where suddenly you come back and you're five games into an 82-game season, someone tests positive, and up. Oh, Major League Baseball has suspended its season. That, I think, that would be the moment that prevented anybody from attempting a return. And, hey, someone's got to be the first. So, why not? I mean, Vince McMahon and the WWE have been putting on shows for weeks, months. They never stopped. Vince McMahon never stopped putting on shows. He never stopped having players in in, in close contacts. He's had, he's had someone in the organization test positive. We don't know who it was. We know it was a, a, a TV person, or at least if we, if, if we do know who it was, I never heard, but we knew it was a, it was a, it was a broadcast person who tested positive and they were removed. So they just kept going. That was the scenario that Vince McMahon had lined out. Someone test positive. Psh, yeah. Well, got to keep it going. Got to give people their Monday night raw. Got to give people their SmackDown and their NXT and their money in the bank. And we got to throw a couple of people off the top of Titan Towers. Got to. It's what the fans want. Dana White did a UFC pay-per-view this weekend. A pay-per-view that I, you know, I'm out on UFC, man. I'm, 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 I've been out on Dana White for a long time, but I'm out on UFC. Nothing they can do right now interests me. But I heard... That they had a that the, that the presentation was good, but that the fights were fantastic. At least at least the main event was. But I heard that overall the 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 pay per view had received, you know, it it it, it had received positive ranks. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to be the first. 
<laughs> the, the, the NBA, they have the distinction of being the first to shut everything down. Well, we've had, you know, UFC after a bunch of, you know, start and stops. WWE is not going to be considered a, a sports league, and that's, that's, that's correct. They're not. They're essentially, you know, they're more comparable to, you know, if Broadway had gone on, which would be silly because Broadway's not on television. And, but you get where I'm going. They're a television show that has kept doing television. UFC is a, it's a sporting organization, whether you like the sport or not. And after a bunch of, you know, start and stop attempts, they finally were able to get, they were finally able to get a, a, a pay-per-view together. They were finally able to get a card together. In which one of the fighters tested positive? <laughs> maybe that's not something. Maybe that's something we haven't spent enough time talking about. One of the fighters on the UFC card this weekend tested positive, and the event went on. And Dana sounding, you know, doing his best Donald Trump impersonation. Hey, our 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 strategy works. Our our plan works. The testing works. We. We, we removed him, we isolated him, we got him out of here, we sent him home, uh, we tested his opponent, we tested his people. Okay. Cool, like, all right. But, but so, you know, I would go back to, you know, Dr. Fauci's question about, or not his statement about, well, you might not test positive that day. So do you have to go back and test all of these fighters again, say, what the the event was Saturday? Today's Tuesday. I don't know. Could you, do you test them today? Like today or Wednesday? Do you just give them one more quick test? Make sure everybody's okay. Because if you do, or if you if you can and you do, and they're all, you know, no one no one is sick or no one tests positive. Good for Dana. He he. Not only did he pull it off, he pulled it off with a fighter testing positive that weekend. So if Dana White can pull it off, can Major League Baseball? I guarantee you it, it, there are people within the offices of the NFL thinking, well, if Dana White can pull it off, ah, damn it, pal, so can we. If Patrick Mahomes, so, so, and, so that's, and now that's where, as we shift from the NBA to the NFL or back to the NFL, I should say. And there's some other NFL nuggets we'll get to. I had mentioned Dak Prescott yesterday. We'll let you know what. Uh, Stephen Jones said about that uh, some Tom Brady news and notes about his departure. You know, we talked about this. We talked about this when, when Brady left new England, that uh, there were going to be months and months and months of speculation about why he left. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, some notes from the NCAA, a Zion Williamson story I had yesterday, uh, but didn't get to, we'll touch on that. Kevin Durant, there's still a lot uh, to get to today, but as we, you know, as we as we shift back to football here and we start looking at, okay, we're going to implement these tests, or I assume part of the NFL season is, is going to be to have testing for their players. Are we looking at potential concussion situations? Hear me out, though. When I say concussion situations, I'm saying we have heard... We have heard... I don't want to say we've heard. That's wrong. We've seen. That that's a better way of saying it. Cause because we all saw who was it? Was it was it uh I think we saw it with Case Keenum? Was it was it Case Keenum or Tom Savage? Which one Tom Savage was was Bill O'Brien in, in Texas. Case Keenum. Was Case Keenum the one who was like dead? 
Like he he was dead on the field, like dead, and just picked up and propped up, and you know he weakened at Bernie's his way over to the to the to the offensive line, and then takes the next next step. And was it Jeff Fisher going? I don't know. I didn't see anything. I can't remember if that was Case Keenum or because didn't the didn't the same exact thing happen with Tom Savage, where Tom Savage got like knocked out and then picked up and perhaps. Bill O'Brien and and um, Bill O'Brien and uh, Jeff Fisher are like one and the same. Okay, so I've got the I've got the clip now. So so there right there were two different ones. I've got Tom Savage essentially having uh, a seizure on the ground here. Oh jeez! All right, I think he actually exited that game though. Um, but Case Keenum did not. And Jeff Fisher says, oh, I didn't see him. I don't know what you want me to do. I didn't see him. Do we have situations now where Patrick Mahomes, for example, a game-changing player, let's, we, we, we could remove a player's name out of it, but we'll, we'll, almost certainly at the quarterback position and a game-changing, whether we're talking Deshaun Watson or you know Patrick Mahomes or we're talking about Lamar Jackson or Tom Brady, where they test positive. And the team goes, uh... It's the it's the Chiefs and the Ravens on Monday Night Football. Eh, I don't know that we really need to say anything. I mean, he doesn't appear to be sick. Uh, hey, Patrick, how you feeling? Oh, I'm good, Coach. Ah, oh, he's fine. Let him walk walk it off. Go walk COVID nineteen off. Do we get? Does it first? question to you would anybody put that above the nfl does anyone think that the nfl would actually do that raise your hands collectively yep looking around everybody's hand went up because we could all see it we could all envision it would they do it so you you've you've got you've got to think about the underhanded aspect of this and this is you know the nfl has done a marvelous job because their season is relatively, it's not far away. It's, it's still a pretty good ways away. The the NFL, unlike any other sport, has had the luxury of, you know, this all really popped off following the Super Bowl. Super Bowl had came and went. You know, they were entering their offseason. So they still have a lot of time to, I mean, think how much has changed in the last two months. When you think about testing, availability of testing, when you think about uh, stay-at-home mandates and, and shelter in place and flattening the curves and different things like that. Like that's it's think about where we were two months ago to versus where we are now. Now here in California, we're in great shape. Even if you're listening, you know, close closer to the Bay Area, like we're in great shape. If you're like one of the like ten people or eight people or however many I have that li- live across like the eastern seaboard that live live across the uh, live in the northeast and over there, yeah, not so much. It feels like the epicenter of this is still like when you look at the you know the 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 worst impacted states they're all in the northeast. It's 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 Boston, it's Providence. It's uh obviously, you know, New York blows all of the other numbers away. You know, you're 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 kind of looking across that that tri-state area, you're looking there into New Jersey uh and and moving your way down there and they're obviously monitoring it very close in, you know, DC, Virginia and Maryland cuz those three areas are so, you know, those Three areas are all tightly packed, you know, distinguished only by like a single exit in Washington, D.C. If you've never been there before, there's like the 
the little, you know, what is it, six-mile stretch of D.C., and then to go to Maryland, you go this way, and to go to Virginia, you go that way. And once you go that way, you're in Virginia, and you go over that bridge, and you're in Maryland. Like, they're all that close together. So, with the proximity to D.C., those areas are being monitored very closely. So it's one thing for to think about, you know, it's it's amazing to hear, well, the, you know, we we the, the the NFL may consider moving the 49ers out of, you know, San Francisco and the Rams and Chargers out of Los Angeles and moving them to places like Arizona and so on and so forth. Why is no one talking about like the Jets and the Giants and the Patriots? How come we're not talking about moving them to like Jacksonville or something like that to where, you know, you can get them out of that epicenter? More importantly, you get their families out of there and then you go spend the football season playing in a state that doesn't have, you know, the 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 COVID-19 impact that those tri-states have, that those uh, northeast states have. So but but the NFL has the luxury of kicking back. They're in the recliner. They're in the easy chair. They've got their feet up, and they're just they've they've got to let this play out. They've got to start thinking, and I'm sure, you know I, I'm I'm sure they already are, but there has to come a point. You know, f- football. You you you've got to deal. You know, their more immediate things that they've got to worry about are training camp. You know, training camp isn't far away at all. Those are the things that they have to worry about. You could scrap OTAs. Only people who care about OTAs are coaches. You, you work your way around that. The league as a whole league doesn't care about OTAs. Who cares? They'll, they'll drop that. They care about the preseason because the preseason generates interest. The preseason gives us hard knocks. And, you know, you can talk about games and fans and stadiums and all of that, but just this, you know, the skeleton of this. The NFL, they they want interest, and they want their 16 games played for their television partners. That's what they want more than anything. Dak Prescott, he wants a contract more than anything. Uh, and we talked about July being a deadline for the NFL to really get things together as it pertains to training camp. Well, July 15th is the deadline uh, to get a contract done for Dak Prescott. Uh, if they don't, he'll have to sign his exclusive franchise tag um, during a uh, call with um, Pro Football Talk, uh, Cowboy COO uh, Stephen Jones asked if it makes sense uh, to watch and wait for something to happen or not on July fifteenth. Uh, Stephen Jones responded, "I think so. I mean, at the end of the day, I know everybody's out there. Uh, have you paid Dak, or how have you not paid Dak? At the same time, we've." tried to pay him and he has to accept what we want to pay him <laughs> but the deal's got to be right for Dak it's got to be right for us as you know the salary caps the salary cap makes this a zero sum game for owners this is not something where Jerry and myself are trying to save money so the Cowboys can make more money for the Jones family we're just trying to do our very best working with Mike McCarthy, uh, and working with Mill McClay, who is the VP of player personnel. Really divide up the pie the best way possible to win a Super Bowl. And then uh, he drops this gem on us. There's all sorts of analytics out there that show if your quarterback takes up uh, too big a percentage of your salary cap, it decreases your chance to win. We're trying to figure out the right fit. 
No one wants to sign Dak to a longer-term deal more than Jerry and myself. We're on the record time and time again, and we think of him as a leader. He has the it factor. He's a fierce competitor. He wants to win as well, and it's just got to be right for him, and it's got to be right for us. We'll continue to work to a conclusion on that. Jones was asked about whether the $31.4 million franchise tender for 2020 with the reality that the tender would spike to $37.68 million for 2021 has become a uh, kind of an impasse into striking a long deal. Stephen Jones didn't respond to that question. Smart move by him. That's a two-year payout of $69 million. That is the... I was listening to an interview with Kirk Cousins uh, like, a, like a week or so ago, and Kirk was asked about, about Dak Prescott. And he said he called him. Kirk, Kirk called Dak Prescott. He was like, dude, don't worry about it. The, the franchise tender can be, you know, I, I know it's not what you want right now, but if you, if, you, if you stick to your guns and you wind up signing it, it's not a terrible thing. It is not a bad thing at all. Like you're getting $31 million right up front. And then if they, you know, if you play well, and, and Kirk Cousins is the king of the franchise tag. The amount of guaranteed money that he has gotten, the amount of guaranteed money that he got over a five-year stretch of his career, everyone focuses on you know, the three-year uh, deal he signed with Minnesota where he got three years fully guaranteed. Combine that with the two franchise tenders or the two franchise tags that he's got. That was five straight years of guaranteed money for Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins ain't going to say a bad thing about that franchise tag. But it's up to Dak. You know, Kirk played well enough to where he warranted, well, you can't let him go. Like, you can't let him walk. Maybe we're not sure that a long-term deal is the same thing. And then I'd argue if he was on any other team than Washington, this wouldn't have happened. But... You know, Jerry likes to get into these pissing contests, and then you, you know, you use that, you use that line that Steven used a moment ago. There's all sorts of analytics that show if your quarterback takes too big a percentage of your salary cap, it decreases your chance to win. Too bad. It's too bad. Like that's you, you, Stephen Jones, you, Jerry Jones, you coaches and owners across the NFL have made it very, very clear who the most important entity is on your football team. It's your quarterback. So don't start, don't start talking now about how if the quarterback takes up too big of a percentage because you're not going to be able to shift the quarterback market in the same way that you shifted the running back market. You completely changed the running back market. I don't think you're going to be able to do that with the quarterback market just by saying, Oh, if our quarterback makes too much, then we can't win. Well, that's that's your fault. Like, you did that. The quarterback contract is, that's your Frankenstein, and now Frankenstein is coming back to kill your ass. That's your problem. Chiefs did it right. They, <laughs> Chiefs got their Super Bowl before, before Patrick Mahomes hit that big money. Now we'll see how are they able to keep that team together. Cowboys seem to have had no problem signing uh, Amari Cooper. They went out and got another quality, quality, high quality wide receiver who's only he's going to cost them their first round money for the next couple of years. 
Had no problem locking up Ezekiel Elliott long-term. Had no problem taking care of everybody else. So you've already, you've already got the pieces. Pieces already there. You're just left with one. And you're refusing to do it. You've got the space to do it. You're just refusing to do it. We'll stick with quarterbacks here. We'll talk about Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady allegedly was tired of Josh McDaniels. That's according to uh, Gary Miles, the NFL columnist. Uh, he wrote that uh, he had just gotten you know, tired of uh, uh, dealing with him. They had been together, I think it was for eight years as it pertains to an offensive coordinator uh, and a quarterback coach. Uh, Tom Brady, according to Tom Brady, said, nah, that's, that's not the case at all. It's all love. Uh, it's all love between me and, 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 and Josh McDaniels. That has nothing to do uh, with why I left. I left for my own reasons. Uh, I left for new challenges. I left because it was time, blah, 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 saying all the right thing. But it, this is what we talked about. If we, if we can't get Belichick to bite, if we can't get an answer on, you know, Bill Belichick, we've, we've got to get an answer on somebody. Like, there's got to be a reason that Brady left. What was the reason that Brady left? And everyone is determined to figure it out. Well, if okay, okay, let's let's leave the Bill Bill O'Brien or let's leave the Bill Belichick storyline aside and let's let's focus on Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels must have drove him nuts. And I'm not discrediting uh, Gary Myers' report. I'm just saying Tom Brady said, "Oh, it's not true." But the, this is this isn't the end. Like this is going to continue to go on. There's going to be books written about uh, Brady's exit from from New England. What went wrong? If something went wrong between Belichick and Brady. Uh, the recruitment of uh, Rob Gronkowski to Tampa Bay and and why people don't want to play for for Bill Belichick or why Belichick runs his ship the way that he does or or why uh, you know when everybody jumps off ship suddenly they have more of a personality like does his act wear thin like there's all of these things that are going to be written and discussed to no end and I don't know what the more intriguing storyline is this year. I don't know if the more intriguing storyline is the Patriots win and succeed and make the playoffs or they lose and fail and don't. I think they're both good storylines and I think they'll both get a a lot of clicks and a lot of talking. Um, But I don't, I don't know which one uh, is more intriguing. Uh, if you want to click on something, click on skynaturalcbd.com. That was that was a damn good segue right there. Uh, click on skynaturalcbd.com. Go to skynaturalcbd.com. If you've never tried uh, CBD before, if you've look, been looking to uh, kind of experiment it, see what it can do for you, see what all the hype is about. CBD is in everything right now. Uh, what Sky Naturals has is hemp oil ex- extract, which I absolutely love. They also have uh, CBD bomb that goes on your uh, achy muscles, whether it's your lower back or your neck. Those are the two areas uh, that I use the most, my neck and my back. And they've got treats for your dogs. Uh, they've got all sorts of stuff there. Head over to skynaturalcbd.com. Use the promo code in the game. That'll get you 15% off your order. Use the promo code in the game. That'll get you 15% off your order. I'll give Mark Emmerich uh, uh, credit, uh, the NCAA president. These n- next two stories are going to tie together. He said college athletes are college students, and if you can't have college sports, uh, you can't have college sports if you don't have, you know, college. If you don't have college open, if you don't have college campuses open and having students on them, 
you can't have college sports. I said this a couple of days ago. He knew he can't BS his way through this one. He knew there was no way he could justify football teams going back to play football and still argue that these guys are, are, are student athletes. Because it's, it's fine that you know everybody has you know, come to their senses and they're going to allow these players to, to make money off of their likeness and names. But still, ultimately, that's like a... You, you know, what the NCAA has done, and, and it's a step... But let's not let's not overpraise the NCAA here and let's not overpraise the you know the state of California for you know for their mandate that 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 athletes that college athletes can get paid off of their likeness because essentially what they're saying is well De'Aaron Fox like this, this if if the NBA were to implement a system like this what they would say is well the De'Aaron Fox can get paid from Nike you know he can get paid from how they can you know, him and Del Christie can both. They could be the pizza guys. Like, he he can make that money for playing for the Sacramento Kings, but the Sacramento Kings aren't going to pay him any money. Like, the Kings aren't going to pay him for playing basketball, but he can go make money wearing Nikes. His swipe of foxes, he could wear those. He could go make money selling pizza, being the pizza guy and doing all of these endorsements and have clothing. He could do all of that stuff. He just can't make money playing the sport. Doesn't it sound silly? Like when you when you implement it like that, when you look at it from the perspective of of that, doesn't doesn't this whole like okay, the NCAA is finally you know they're 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 finally you know seeing the light. State of California really led the way. Doesn't it doesn't it look kind of dumb when you look at it from that perspective? You can make money doing all of this other stuff all you want. Patrick Mahomes can make money doing the catch-up ads and all of that stuff. He's just not going to make any money playing football. I think we were a bit too quick to pray. We praised the step forward uh, by, but, but without acknowledging that there's still about 99 steps from where they need to go. Case in point. Attorneys representing Zion Williamson's former marketing. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm actually reading this with a smile on my face because it's funny. Attorneys representing Zion Williamson's former marketing representative and her company have asked the uh, have asked Zion Williamson to admit that his father and stepfather demanded and received gifts, money, and other benefits from persons acting on the behalf of Adidas and Nike, and also people associated with Duke to influence him to sign. Um, with the Blue Devils and to wear Nike. Zion had signed a marketing deal or something like that with uh, a woman named Gina Ford and Prime Sports. And that was dumb on Zion's part. Uh, but he did it when he was an amateur athlete in North Carolina. And uh, his uh, agent and his lawyers and specifically CAA found a very easy way to get him out of this deal saying that uh, you can't sign in, in particularly in the state of North Carolina you can't sign amateur athletes to you know marketing contracts you can't uh, lock them into these types of deals they were able to get him out of it CAA is his representation and they sued and so during the discovery process of this suit they're asking Zion to come forward and and say well yeah, I asked for benefits. Yeah, I asked for this. Uh, Nike's alleged offer was $35,000. Um, 
there's discovery through text messages and emails and documents proving that Nike executives have, have arranged and concealed payments and all of this different stuff came out of this article, but I couldn't help but laugh at this whole, we want Zion Williamson to come forward. We basically want Zion to come, to come forward and help us make our case against him. That's, that's what we really want to do. Because if he admits that he was offered all of this stuff, then we can show that we negotiated for him. But we can't show we negotiated for him unless he admits he did all of this. It's all dumb, man. Uh, and, and, and these are the issues that you get in when you're amateur athletes dealing in amateurism and you know that there is big, like 35, like Nike, $35,000. Like that's it. I mean, I guess that's not bad for a couple of months work, but still that's it, man. Zion, wor- Zion was worth a whole lot more than that. A whole lot more than that in his year at Duke. Uh, Kevin Durant, he's going to be worth a whole lot more than a return to the NBA season as well as uh, the Brooklyn Nets uh, have acknowledged to Adrian Wojnarowski that uh, Kevin Durant will not return. If there is some sort of playoff bubble that takes place in Las Vegas or Orlando, is there some some sort of you know uh, playoff format that helps finish this 2019-20 season, uh, there will be no Kevin Durant a part of it. There was a lot of speculation that oh, he could be healthy enough to go. He could help. The Brooklyn Nets make a playoff run. Uh, that's not going to be the case. He's good on that. That's not going to happen. Uh, and that was the first time that the Brooklyn Nets acknowledged as such. A couple of wrestling notes. Obviously, I opened up the podcast mentioning that a new uh, weekly wrestling podcast formatted similar to this one in which we talk about the news and notes from behind the scenes about professional wrestling debuts on patreon.com slash Barling. If you're not a Patreon yet, uh, please go become one. There's a lot of incentives there. Uh, for you to join us there on that platform, including this podcast and including the debut episode of Relive featuring Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock at WrestleMania 17. That has been available for Patreons uh, for over a week now. The second episode, CM Punk versus John Cena at Money in the Bank in Chicago, is going to be available uh, exclusively for Patreons this week as well. Of course, the podcast drops on regular podcast platforms on June 3rd. Uh, Becky Lynch announced uh, she's pregnant after 399 days as the WWE's women's champion. Uh, she vacated the title to the Money in the Bank winner, Asuka, and she will be out for the foreseeable future. Uh, she started off Monday night's show uh, announcing that uh, she was going away for a while. Uh, she handed the belt to Asuka. It was a... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, was, I get, it was real in a, in a world that's... Not that moment was real and they have made out. I mean, Becky Lynch is Becky Lynch was arguably their biggest star. I don't know if she had maintained that, you know, over the course. I know when Fox, uh, when SmackDown debuted on Fox and the big push for everybody to tune in to SmackDown was the rock. I know that the person who was in the ring with The Rock was Becky Lynch. That says everything that you need to know about how WWE views her. They put her in the ring next to Hollywood's biggest star. They put her... I mean, that's the segment that drew the most viewers. That's what people were tuning in for. And it's undeniable because over a million people stopped watching the following week. 
but this is just kind of the latest thing that WWE has to navigate. Like they're, you know, I because I'm doing this weekly podcast over there on Patreon, I've got to pay a lot more attention to the product, man, and it is tough. It is really, really tough. The television is just not compelling right now. And, you know, what they're doing with Seth Rollins, I like, I just don't, I don't get it. It's, and it's, 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 it's a tough watch. So I'm going to save you uh, multiple hours each week from watching the product. And I'll just tell you all about the product over on patreon.com beginning this afternoon. Also, if you're an old school wrestling fan, I don't know why I'm so intrigued by this. I've had the WWE Network since the day it came out. I can watch this whenever I want to. But for some reason, there's something cool about this. Fox Sports 1 is airing WrestleMania 3 tonight. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Macho Man Randy Savage, of course, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. The pinnacle moment of wrestling in the 80s will air for the first time on broadcast television tonight on Fox Sports 1. Again, I have no idea why I'm so intrigued by that because I could, I, could, I could be watching it right now on the WWE Network without any commercials and it wouldn't matter. But something about this I find incredibly intriguing. WrestleMania 3 uh, on Fox Sports 1 tonight. Thank you, as always, uh, for tuning in. I'll plug Patreon one more time. Patreon.com slash Damian Barling. If you're a wrestling fan, I think you're really going to enjoy some of the extras we have on there. I would say if you're a Kings fan, you're going to love the extras we have on there. But that would be a complete lie because, well, I don't have anything to offer as it pertains to the Sacramento Kings yet. That'll be whenever the season returns and whenever the media is allowed to return uh, to arenas and so on and so forth. But appreciate you so much for tuning in. Uh, rate, review, share on social media, tell all your friends, do all of the great stuff, and we will be back here tomorrow on the podcast with Damian Barling. <laughs>